dive into today's episode, we just want to take a moment to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to all our followers, supporters, people that have been on our show, people that want to be on our show, people that listen to our show. We are really trying to showcase e-discovery, cybersecurity, data privacy, and tech innovation in a fun and educational way, and we truly could not do this without you. We are so flattered by all of the emails requesting to be on our show or commenting on our show from all of our subscribers. The numbers are higher than we anticipated already from people wanting to sponsor us to just general support. We appreciate all of it and all of you and we promise we're not going anywhere and we will continue to remain a non-biased tech podcast that you can count on oh so beautiful laura i do what i can you know i just want the people (laughs) to know that we care yeah and yeah just to just to piggyback off of off of uh my co-host here um yeah thank you all so much um honestly the the feedback has been really overwhelming and positive we started this not knowing at all what the interest would be so um it's been really really uh a positive experience so far So if you haven't signed up yet as a subscriber, we made it really easy and we added a place on the bottom of each page of our website for you to sign up. We have several exciting new features in the works that will be live very, very soon. So please continue to listen and thank you again. With that said, hello and welcome to That Tech Pod, self-voted number one tech podcast in the world, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Laura Milstein, and I know a little bit about technology. And I'm Gabby Schulte, and by now, I think I should say I know a little bit about technology as well, but I still have a lot to learn. Is that a true statement, Gabby? Do you feel that you know more now? I do feel that I know more now. (laughs) All right. This podcast, educating. Awesome. And that's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. Today, Gabby, who are we talking to? Today, we're talking to Rob Chevelle. Rob is the CEO and co-founder of Abine and Delete Me, an online privacy company. Rob has been quoted as a privacy expert in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and PR, and Fox. Rob is a vocal proponent of privacy legislation reform, including the California Privacy Rights Act. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to be on the number one uh, tech show out there. And this is, this is absolutely a thrill. Thank you so much. Um, and just so we're clear, self-voted number one tech podcast. I don't tech know podcast. why you cleared that up, um, Gabby. It is the <laughs> number I, one I, I am, tech podcast. Any, any number, any way you get to number one is fine with me. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. We made it. Thank you, Rob, for <laughs> acknowledging that. We have arrived. Um, Rob, before we dive into kind of all of your privacy expertise, how did you get to be, you know, in this industry as the CEO and co-founder of your company? We'd love to know that kind of origin story. Yeah. um, The way I I describe it is uh, because I'm a contrarian. Uh, That's sort of how I got here. Um, I just can't seem to do what everybody else is doing. Uh, and so about 10 years ago, uh, all the entrepreneurs were that I knew and most of the uh, friends and investors that I knew from Silicon Valley, which is where, you know, I was uh, you know, doing business as an investor with uh, SoftBank. 
um, they were running around uh, very excited about social networking and data sharing. And uh, everyone was uh, super uh, crazy about this idea of sharing everything, all our photos, all of our credit card swipes, everything. There was every business model that you could possibly think of was about sharing our data with our social graphs. And I sort of sat there and said, oh, hold on a second. First of all, um, you know, that's not all good. And, and secondly, I don't want to be doing what everybody's doing. So somehow I got involved with much uh, smarter people than me that went to MIT that thought uh, in, in a similar fashion that all of this data that we were so excited about sharing would actually have repercussions and was not all good. In fact, some of it would was bound to be sort of toxic uh, and, a, and, and a sort of a, a negative byproduct of all of the online activities that we're doing. And so we decided to start uh, the unpronounceable company, A-B-I-N-E, which uh, was actually an acronym uh, for a bit is not enough. And uh, we looked at what was out there in terms of tools that regular people could use to get um, some control of their data and some privacy online. And we concluded that there were all these little um, tools here and there, but a bit uh, of each of them was not enough to give you, uh, you know, sort of an easy level of protection. And that's what we set out to do. That's cool. I like that. And I, and I like that there's sort of a reason behind it. That's, that's unique of, of what that stands for. I, I don't think I would have guessed that. So, so I appreciate the creativity with that. Um, but, uh, I just kind of want to dive right into privacy. So it looks like your company removes personal information from search engines. And we talk a lot on this podcast about personal information and how to keep it safe. But can you kind of tell us more about that, especially around like credit cards and credit card payments? How does it work? Yeah. So, um, we do, uh, a variety of, uh, of things. We have two products, uh, and the one that you're referring to uh, is called Delete Me. And it's uh, you know, a really uh, increasingly popular uh, service that does work for you and makes your life easier. I think that's one of the reasons uh, a lot of people are signing up uh, and enjoy it um, because it's, um, to, to Gabriella's point, it is not like super sophisticated. It doesn't take a super sophisticated technologist to, to, um, to use it. Uh, whereas a lot of privacy tools and security tools can can be a little bit uh, complex. So what Delete so Me does perfect is, for my demographic. I'm there, the there, perfect there, uh, demographic there, for that. There you go. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give you a coupon. Um, so what yes. Delete Me does is very simple. It goes out and it finds um, the the personal information about all of uh, about any of us that is exposed out there for sale by data brokers. And data brokers tend to be um, uh, companies that buy your information, scrape your information, aggregate your information, and create a profile page, a hidden profile page effectively about you. They, they make sure it's highly indexed on Google. And so when somebody uh, looks up your name on Google, uh, they'll often see these results. They also advertise these results and they say, hey, 
check Laura's background to make sure she's not a criminal offender. Look, get her cell phone number and her relatives' names. Check Gabriella's uh, last place of residence and her net worth and photos of her home. Um, so they do all this sort of uh, exposeing because they make money from selling your data to anyone that will buy it. So what Delivi does is it goes and uh, take goes through all the steps to opt you out of all of those data brokers, which has the consequence of those results not showing up in Google and Bing and other search engines over time. So the amount of total exposed uh, private information about all of us that we might not want to be easily found because Google is effectively the new phone book. If any of our listeners are over 30 years old and remember what a phone book is, um, uh, it, it actually cleans all that up. And, and Delete Me is a service because these data brokers never stop getting your information. They never stop finding new places to, to, to buy it. And so we make sure uh, all year long we're monitoring for that and we give you uh, reports all year to show you where we found your information and where it was removed. Hmm. That's so interesting. Um, also, yeah, phone book. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Um, I just want to. I just want to. I, like, I just like want to try pretending to, that. Yeah, she's I just like, want to pretend. In that the I'm background, angry. she's I like, would, I still use one. I would not assume. <laughs> I would not assume either of you knew what I was referring to. But a long time ago, when, you know, when dinosaurs like me were right. when our, when our uh, the glow of our youth, yes, we wow. used to have these big fat books with all of these um, <laughs> names that we had to look up and turn these really thin pages uh, yeah. to figure out. With, you know, with, with an eight point font to figure out oh my you know, God. How, to, how to call somebody. It's really weird when you think how about primitive. it. Um, primitive. <laughs> and this is completely off subject, but like how, <laughs> how would people like update their info? Like, <laughs> like, do you have to submit that to like the white pages and like, how would that happen? Does anyone remember? Um, you know, Maybe it's, it's like the census, that's what I've decided. When they come around, they're like, and for the white pages. I actually, if I, I, I may be even older than I look. Um, but there, I, if I remember correctly, a lot of people actually gave their information. If they yeah. had the information, they actually gave it to the R.R. Uh, Donnelly and the phone book companies and actually participated because they wanted wow. to. Uh, because number one, a lot of it was, it, it was still sort of the age of innocence, right? There weren't, weren't these yeah. sophisticated marketers. Like a lot of people that use the phone book were our friends and family that wanted to get in touch with us. Can you imagine how naive we were? Yes. <laughs> if you do think about it, it's really crazy scary that before it was just like, okay, you know, you didn't even have cell phones. I mean, a lot of these things are actually not that long ago created that are just so normal now. It's, it's, scary. Well, it's a great, it's a great example of how, um, you know, we are, we get adjusted to anything, right? Um, mm. You know, just 30 years ago, you know, we, we, pub we gave our information to the phone book companies, they printed it and everybody used it in a normal, non-spam right. way. Now we couldn't even imagine that occurring. They just right. didn't know how to use it the right way. They were like, take this page <laughs> carrier pigeon and go spam someone's window with it. <laughs> 
Well, and that that actually, you know, like you hear these really sad stories of like older citizens who are getting scammed because they're providing their information online or they're not sure how to protect their information. Um, so I actually have two questions for you. One is, you know, if if that was happening and they kind of went to you to help them with their privacy, how would they know that the privacy is working? Um, you know, do you do you use like encrypted passwords or tracking like blocking methods? Um, so that's part one. Do that first, and then I'll, I will follow up because my okay. second one is a lot. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually really big. On, you know, I put I, I like to say that I I help on the product that we create. Um, most entrepreneurs like like to say that it may or may not be true. Uh, but for you, it's real. <laughs> I, well, this is the number one podcast, so <laughs> I, I'm self proclaiming that I am. Uh, part of um, wow. Uh, but but I'm I'm very big on 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 something. Uh, call it transparency, call it simplicity. I'm not sure what, what, but um, making uh, what, what a company does easy and explain, you know, sort of, sort of self-explanatory uh, because in a world uh, of privacy and security online, there's so much abstraction. There's so much, uh, forgive me, BS that gets concocted that, you know, acronyms and graphs and charts and scores and stuff that, you know, people either have to trust or treat with uh, uh, a skeptical eye. I really don't like that as, as an entrepreneur. And so, you know, if I give you delete me as an example to answer your question, it's so simple. You, we literally email a PDF report to you four times a year as, as a standard customer. And you, you open that attachment to your email and it shows you, hi, this is where these are. This is where we found your phone number. This is where we found your relatives names. This is where we found your past phone number and your past address. This is where we found your email address. This is where we found your the you know uh, uh, school affiliations. These guys have all kinds of data, and we just literally show you exactly where we found it and exactly where we requested it to be removed, and then where it was. Uh, actually removed because you have to police these people because they don't always do what you ask. Amazingly enough, uh, they're not incented to do everything that you ask them to do. So somebody has to act as the police and that's us. So ultimately, my answer to you on the delete me service is it's very simple. And, you know, that's really if you look at the reviews and I'll brag a little bit that we have 4.75 out of five star reviews from you know nice. thousands of thousands of customers. If you look at the reviews, they say the same thing. They're like, I get it. I get what you did. And by the way, I checked it. I went to Google and I searched my name and address. And mm. what came back after I became, was a delete new subscriber is completely different than what came back before. Caveat being, obviously, we can't delete everything from the internet. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's not yet. <laughs> um, that's really interesting. And I would be, uh, I, I don't want to know what info of mine is out like I do but then I really don't because it's just like ignorance is bliss <laughs> that kind of thing um but that goes sort of back to what you were saying at the beginning about kind of how you got started where 
all of your entrepreneur friends and, you know, everyone in Silicon Valley was like very interested in kind of getting on this sort of exciting uh, idea of like sharing everything. And like finally with the technology that was possible that you could do that on like a large scale. So when when do you think other people started catching up that, okay, maybe this isn't the best idea to be sharing everything. Cause now I feel like everybody's very aware of it. It's something that, you know, a lot of companies are, are implementing a lot of individuals are implementing. So where do you think that paradigm shift happened in our kind of like data sharing consciousness? Great question. And uh, I'm uniquely uh, qualified to answer that specific question, having been in this business for 10 years. Uh, you'll find very few entrepreneurs that have done the same business for 10 years. Uh, and that's not always a good thing, but, um, but I'm qualified <laughs> to answer because I've seen this arc uh, go from hey, we should share everything. It's the most exciting, cool thing ever, Facebook and everything else, um, to, uh, to now where, as you, as you say, uh, we're seeing a, a much, much bigger awareness uh, in the mainstream uh, around, hey, my data is out there and that's probably not a great thing net-net. And in fact, I may change my behaviors in this or that context. It's not like I'm gonna you know, stop using the internet. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody's got their mobile phones. We're all normal. You know, most of us are normal citizens and we have to like, you know, keep up with the, keep up with the times and we're busy. That said, I think there is, there is a, a much bigger awareness. Now, where did that happen? Um, and when did it happen? I think really around the aftermath of the debate around the 2016 election. And I'll tell you why uh, I believe that. And our, some of our numbers show it because that's, you know, 2017, uh, 2018 is when we really started to see, you know, we were starting to double every year in terms of the number of customers signing up for our services. Um, but also, I think when you look at just the consumer, um, sort of uh, memes out there and the conversation, you know, we had had Edward Snowden and everybody called me when, when that happened and the NSA, you know, the whole thing happened. They're like, isn't your business going crazy? Isn't this amazing? And I said, well, not really. I don't have a lot more customers at the checkout. Um, hmm. And, and, you know, even before that, we had these huge data breaches and, you know, we had the first, you know, data breach from a, from a, uh, you know, a credit bureau, if you remember Equifax. So we had, mm, these, yeah, huge, we had these huge, massive things that people called me up and they said, hey, Rob, isn't the privacy business booming? And I would turn to them and say, actually, no, it's not. The consumer awareness hasn't really changed their behavior. But then after the... Um, the Cambridge Analytica stuff and the and the election, I think there was enough debate that Pete and 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 by this time people had also the data brokers were getting more sophisticated and people were all of it now were normal you know was seeing a targeted ad was following you around was normal and 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 then uh, Netflix documentaries like the Social Dilemma came out um, yeah and this is really all in the last three years right and that's really the time when when I think awareness began to go mainstream 
And, uh, and also, uh, you know, you couple that with the popularity of things that are in our home now, like, like Alexa and, and Google Echo and, and things that are listening to us and, 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 and really we've invited into our home. And so there's, there's both more tech out there to be concerned about, and there's more awareness around what to be concerned about and why and, and, and how it might affect our life. Not just like I lost my credit card and I need to go through a process to, you know, to tell them that, you know, there's fraud on it, which isn't like the most motivating thing because it's not the most damaging thing. But when you, you know, when your whole country is affected because, you know, there's some election result that's been tampered with or somebody's trying to tamper with it, that affects every citizen. So I think that's sort of a long, Hmm. long way to say that's what we've seen. Well, interesting. So I want to completely change exactly what we're talking about and like very much just like spin something totally different on you. Based on your background, I think you're the perfect person to ask this. So um, recently, Canon in China, they implemented this facial recognition thing where basically in order to go in, you have to smile, like scans your face and you have to smile. And the whole point is like to boost morale. Now, personally, I don't know if that's really going to boost morale, but like whatever you want to do over there. But it it is something where facial recognition is so controversial because there's so many people that are saying this could save lives, like scan his face. He did it. And then there's people like me that are like, I don't want to have to smile to walk into work. This is absurd. Um, And so you're kind of looking at all these different angles. And so I just want to ask you the hard question right now, your thoughts right out the gate. Should facial recognition tech be banned? Yes. Ooh, explain. Can we dive into it? This is this is what I want to know. Tell me more. So my position on this is it should we should ban it. And uh, I just think it's a slippery slope in so many different dimensions and the loss of of uh, of privacy linked to our de- our faces and identities is just so tremendously uh, impactful to a free society that we shouldn't try to, even though, yes, uh, facial rec can save lives, clearly uh, in, um, in in some policing contexts and, and, and other things, you know, there's a clear argument to be made that can save lives, but we don't put, you know, guardrails on every highway across the United States, even though it demonstrably, it can save lives. But you know what we do do? We buy... And, and this isn't the government. This is us as consumers. We buy shades for almost every window in almost every house that we have. And that's not because we have like some crazy thing to hide from our neighbors. It's because we want some privacy sometimes. And if we let facial recognition just go and it and the same thing happens with that technology that we've seen happen with the data brokers and our personal data, the kind of stuff that we've been talking about with Delete Me, um, I have no idea how far and how fast it's going to expand, but it is scary to me. And the things that you're seeing from like Amazon ring doorbell where they're doing a mesh network. So first, and it's classic, you know, I was in Silicon Valley. I know how these guys work. I know what the strategy is. It's classic Silicon Valley. It's like, first, Hey, get a useful doorbell for your home for $99. This is great. Oh, you can let the, you can let people in to have a package delivery. Next thing you know, 
it's a giant mesh surveillance network with auto facial recognition, not just of you and your family, but all of your friends that they already know because they have the email social graph that you have in their other department. And, you know, um, pretty soon, uh, you know, the amount of data that's held um, via facial recognition, that's sort of like passive data about everyone's lives is, is insane. And then you couple that with AI and that's a whole nother conversation. Right. Well, no, the, those are like really good points. Um, and I and I worry about that sort of technology getting into the hands of everyday users. I feel like there. I may be completely butchering this, and I'm going to say, remember at the top of the show, I told everyone I only know a little bit about tech. So, wasn't there um, an app that was basically like? Um, what some police uh, precincts are using for facial recognition, but it like allowed people to just download that app and kind of use it, you know. So, for example, if they're like, huh, who's that person? They can sort of take a picture of them and then use that technology to sort of find out information. Yeah, um, it's, called, use, it's called Clearview. Did you use it? Clearview. We all need to Yeah, know you know, I used it on you, Rob, so that's how I knew I knew about you before this. <laughs> well, guess where, um, <laughs> guess, where Clear, guess where Clearview got that database of photos? Where? The internet. Right. <laughs> yes. That, and what? Right, because everything was already shared, so that it's not even mm-hmm. that they needed to... You know, do uh, they the didn't tech, even the access need to was already build there. their own database or get anybody's right. consent? And why yeah. is that? It's because we've been busy sharing information without having mm-hmm. any control over it. Yes, exactly. So, where does that like? Is there any way? You know, because my sort of view, I'm a I'm fairly cynical person, so I feel like this is pretty inevitable. You know, like at some point, like this thing is going to get like we're we might get here. We might get there in society. So do you feel that same way? Do you think there's anything we can do to prevent that? If, you know, if people are on the side of of kind of steering away from sort of, I guess, technologies, not even only facial recognition, but other technologies that are so invasive in our privacy. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'm, I'm a skeptic uh, myself, so I understand the position. Hey, you know, what can we do about this? I mean, technology is going to do what it's going to do. I get that. Um, but, you know, I think it's a, it's not, it's not true, right? When you look at history and you study uh, a little bit of, uh, of, of what's happened with technologies, which, uh, you know, I like to do in the uh, few moments of spare time that I have these days. Um, there are there are lots of examples of uh, technology being regulated, curtailed, banned, um, where it doesn't where where societies figure out it's not a net benefit to them. And you know when that happens, almost always after <laughs> everyone understands the negative ramifications and effects. So um, you know, so I'm actually and and when you when you couple that observation about history, uh, and there's then there's lots of examples with uh, what's going on across the world, um, even in uh, Smile or or Don't Enter the Building China, um, what we're seeing is legislation uh, happening. E- like I said, even in China, around standards to protect people's personal data. 
obviously there's the GDPR in Europe. I know you guys have covered that in your um, podcast before. Uh, and there's the California Privacy Rights Act now uh, and a few states uh, uh, in the U.S. Uh, passing uh, consumer privacy protection bills. And I think it is something that the Biden administration may take up during its first term and try to get bipartisan support for. There's something that passed in Brazil uh, uh, a year ago. So all in India, so all over the world, like you can't, you know, these are facts. You can't, um, you can't refute that there have, there have been more laws passed to protect and give consumers rights to their data and their privacy in the last five years than uh, ever, ever before in history. And I think that is a very good example of us uh, as a global society realizing that, you know, all of this data, uh, uh, people doing whatever we want, whatever they want with it and tech being allowed to just, you know, expand infinitely with no rules is not uh, not appropriate any longer. So I have another two-parter for you. Um, sorry, Laura, that I'm manipulating the conversation here. Go crazy. Um, <laughs> ask away. He's good. Ask away. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, we've we've uh, noted at the top that you are um, a proponent of the uh, California Privacy Rights Act. Um, so that, you know, is kind of one of the more sweeping legislations in, pri- in data privacy. But the argument is, and, and, you know, we'll see what happens with that. The argument is, is it might drive tech companies to other states that don't have these privacy laws and maybe have or privacy prioritizations and maybe are signaling already that there is no interest in that. So what do you think about that? Sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's uh, a load of garbage. Um, uh, number one, these the, you know these uh, the, these were voter passed uh, bills, and they had like eighty percent plus support, which says one thing: right. is mm-hmm. when you when you wave something uh, at the voting booth that says, "Do you want some more privacy?" Eighty percent of the people are like. Hell yeah, because I know what's out there and I know the situation is not good. So tremendous voter support, you know, first of all. Uh, And then secondarily, uh, it doesn't matter whether the business moves out of California or stays in California. They still have to respect the rights of every customer they have from California. That's how these laws work. Mm. Like if you have a European citizen that you're doing business with, you have to respect their rights under the GDPR, whether you're a U.S. company or not. So bottom line is a federal law that gives people basic rights over their data, I think is a good idea because I think we can all agree that when some company gets our personal information on their database and they, and we don't have the right to see what they have, correct it if it's false or ask them to delete it or not sell it, it just doesn't seem fair if we haven't given them consent uh, to do that. And so those are just like the basic parameters of all these privacy laws. And I think they need to be you know, both federalized in the US and basically rolled out at a global scale um, because they're just like, they, they, they're just common sense. Uh, and I right. think we, you know, I think we're, we're in a world right now where industry is trying to argue that, hey, you know, common sense isn't 
isn't common sense anymore. You know, like we need, we need your data in order to, you know, survive. And it's just, you know, it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I think when we're talking about data privacy, I don't think we, I don't think we can go without mentioning Facebook, which, you know, I think is kind of culturally one of the reasons why we started out to be so, um, eager to share uh, information. Um, so rec- I wanted to get your take on this sort of recent thing that happened here. Um, so I'm just going to read from an article that Facebook suspended the accounts, apps, and pages of NYU researchers who are reportedly um, scraping tools to better understand political ads and disinformation on the site. Um, so according to Facebook, the the New York's uh, NYU's ad observatory project was using unauthorized means to access and collect data for their research. So what do you think about like Facebook's um, uh, move there to to kind of just suspend um, the accounts of of the researchers who were kind of just trying to conduct, you know, uh, research. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a good example. And I think it's one of many that never get the media attention, uh, most mm-hmm. likely. Uh, of the um, original uh, premise that my co-founders and, and I had when we started the business, which is having a lot of data is 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 actually a, a cost. It's like it's like uh, industrial waste. It's it's not all good as a byproduct. It has a real cost. And what is that cost? You have to fight all these. You know, if you're Facebook, you have to fight all these people trying to scrape the data and then monetize it in crazy ways themselves. And then you have to set up an ethics committee to police who's doing it for legitimate purposes and who's not. Let me tell you, Mark and Sandra and whoever the heck else is budgeting for Facebook, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars just protecting their data against bad actors because they have so much of it. So data is not all good and it's increasingly expensive. And I think it's going to get more expensive for companies because if you have it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be subject to all kinds of, uh, attacks, costs, data breaches, you know, you name it. So, you know, I hope that companies wake up and realize that like, you know, collecting every piece of data and storing it in perpetuity is no longer uh, a one-sided coin where just maybe we can make money on it in the future. It has a cost and you should think about both the costs and the benefits. Well, Rob, I don't know if you know this, but data is actually the new currency. So they are kind of using it that way. Um, but yes, yeah, so we Actually, just have- Actually, cri- yeah. crypto, crypto is the new currency. Crypto has been around for a while, Rob. You must not be doing well if you just found out about it. <laughs> Welcome to 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 that. Um, but yeah, so so one last question for you, and and we like to kind of ask this to people, especially someone that's very specific in, in what they're doing, which which is you. But this is it's a little more broad this time. So we want to kind of ask you about where you think the trends are going, and what do you think is going to be happening in the next five years. But I think where we want to really target that with this question for you is more, you know, not just where do you see the trends, but where do you see the trends around facial recognition and data privacy specific? Because I think those are the two things that we really want to dive in. Do you think they're going away? Do you think things are changing? Do you think there's going to be a new AI robot that will show up at everyone's house and scan their face? 
Um, well, I think there's some really interesting trends. Uh, I think I've been around the tech scene long enough that um, I can I can squint my eyes and um, try to make some some predictions around them. Uh, I think it's fun to do. Uh, in terms of AI, uh, well, in terms of facial rec, I am I am more hopeful probably than than a lot of people that we won't just let it um, be used everywhere. Uh, and we won't, you know, wake up uh, in, in the U.S. at least in, in a few years and just expect to be identified by everybody else's cell phone and in every public place and in every restaurant and some companies selling, you know, everywhere we've been just because, you know, our face, you know, because we weren't wearing a hoodie, <laughs> uh, you know. Eminem uh, aside, uh, but um, <laughs> so so I'm 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 actually bullish on uh, regulating uh, facial rec, uh, and when it comes to AI, I'm 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 more negative, and and this is one of the things I talk about uh, as a trend related to data data privacy that most people aren't um, taking the cost benefit equation into um, you know into sort of the right um, uh, ratio and, and, and it's less about AI creating some kind of superhuman robot, you know, knows everything and has super intelligence like Elon Musk thinks is going to happen. I don't think so. What I do think about AI and machine learning algorithms is very simple, which is they are becoming much, much, much better than humans at finding patterns amongst giant data sets. And what does that mean? Because that's not rocket science. It's just literally what AI is good at. And, you know, where, you know, we used to have human analysts parsing through all this data, finding correlations and saying, well, we should do this. We shouldn't do that. We should offer this. We shouldn't offer that. We should, you know, the humans were making these decisions based on their analysis of data. I think they're almost going to be completely replaced by machine learning and AI. Now, what does that mean? It means that the more data we share with big tech uh, and the more AI that's run on it, the more decisions that are going to be made about our lives uh, that there will be more decisions made about our lives based on these algorithms that we are never privy to. In, in other words, we live our lives and decisions are being made. Should we get healthcare? Should we get this job? Were we considered for this? Were we not considered for something? You know, both the negative and the positive will happen without us ever knowing. So our little bubbles will be constructed by the data that we've given, but we'll never know why we're in a bubble or what exact bubble we're in. And it will affect our life. It will affect our, you know, especially the kids out there uh, growing up, it will absolutely affect our life. So my concern about AI is that there will be a black box of decisions that are actually things that we would really want to have a say in if we knew they were being made, but we'll never know. That was like the scariest ending to a podcast that we've had so far. Like <laughs> sometimes I'm like, ooh, that was dark. But this I was like, I'm, I'm going to need some time 
I'm going to need to go out and, like, see the sun and be yeah. like, okay, okay, stay positive. Because that was, that was one of those where it's like, anyway, it's over. The robot Brenda is showing up to scan your face, and you will be trapped in a windowless room. That's That was scary. So uh, with that. I, I try to be more positive, but, you know, it, I'm going to blame you for asking me the, 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 the dark question. We we set you up for it. Yeah, totally. That's fair. (laughs) Well, Rob, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. to Rob Chevelle, CEO and co-founder of Abine and Delete Me, data privacy uh, company. Tell us your tech takeaways. I mean, I've said this multiple times, and I think anytime we talk to someone around data <laughs> privacy, I just feel this way, just scared, just mm-hmm. scared always. I, I think maybe that's why I like eDiscovery better, because it just feels safer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's necessary, though. We need to talk about this stuff. It is true. AI is coming. It's AI is not coming. It is here. It is here. It's been here and it's like reforming. It's sort of like the COVID, how we have new variants. AI is spinning up (laughs) new variants. New variants. There's a lambda. Yeah, coming. yeah. What is it? <laughs> the, the Delta's been here. Yeah, it's just it's not going away. Oh. But I, but I think you know the facial recognition. I mean, he immediately was like, "No, it should be banned." And it is yeah. one of those. I, I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think people dive into things like that. And I think people, when we were even talking about the white pages back in the day and the yellow pages, and looking like, "Oh, look, where's Tom?" It's you're, <laughs> there's an innocence to it, and I think facial recognition there's an innocence it's a lot of tech there's the good and the bad and even data it's like i don't want to share my data but sometimes some data needs to be shared and i think it's always like a fine line but you know when brenda the the you know robo tech face recognition scanner shows up with her ai eyes and pulls her algorithm out and is like you have a blood type of a b you know i'm gonna freak out it's gonna be crazy i like how you named the ai brenda and you're just really set on that that's what she would be called it's like 100 percent um no but i think it's like um it's an interesting sort of like sociological thought process because it's like we are like every time there's like this new technology that is introduced to our society we're very excited about it we're very naive about it it seems um but then of course there's the backfire that we i feel like we just we don't really think about until it's already too late and it's already the implications are already happening it's already in the process but rob is more hopeful than i am on this front and hopefully um you know, people will realize the net negative of, you know, having widespread facial recognition in the hands of like creepy dudes at a bar that like want to follow like someone home. <laughs> anyway, if you are currently building a robot named Brenda, we want to talk to you, obviously. obviously. And but wait, before you important. go into that, yeah. I do want to just say that Rob's 
um, you know, the delete me especially mm-hmm. is very interesting. And I'm very intrigued to know. It's like I kind of want to, you know, I kind of want to uh, get into that service you because you should do it. You should well, try I'm just I have like people call like random numbers and I'm just like, who has my information? Where is it? Um, you know, all let's, these let's data breaches. This. Let's research it. But I'm just saying, like, it seems especially for someone like me who's like I'm very turned off if something is very technologically complicated. Yeah. So it's like I that's like so easy if it's like just something that's sent to me it's it's telling me what's out there of mine where is it and it's like yeah please yeah let's get rid of it it. let's get rid of this yeah i agree and i don't think enough people are aware of products like that i don't think people even know where to go for that so if you do want to know where to go for products like that or you're interested in things uh, similar you can come to us because we're a non-biased podcast that wants to give our opinions so maybe a little biased because it's our opinions but we promise to steer you in what we think is the right direction so reach out to us at that tech pod at gmail.com www or how many w's was that but you know the the normal amount that tech pod at regular amount of w's yeah that tech pod.com you can reach out to us on our twitter um no one does you can check us out on our linkedin (laughs) we do have some people there or subscribe to us because surprisingly we have a ton more subscribers that we had uh, expected which is exciting but we'd love a ton more so come to our website that tech pod.com subscribe to us somewhere at the very bottom of every page so you can can't miss it as long as you just look at the bottom we don't want to put at the top because we want limited subscribers only the ones that really want to subscribe to subscribe and um yeah gabby what else should we tell them well, if you want a super easy way to support the podcast, all you have to do is go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast and give us a five-star review. You can also um, a five-star rating and you can also write us a little review. You feel free to give us some constructive criticism or tell us how lovely and amazing and beautiful we are, even though you can't see what we look like. Um, and that would be super appreciative. We we would love that and we would even read your review if we like it on air maybe if we like it maybe see you on tuesday